Hello everyone, this is John Frangella, and my podcast is all about business and manufacturing. Everything to do with advanced manufacturing, AI, machine learning, investments, crowdfunding, cybersecurity, education, entrepreneurship, finance, and uh, human resources. And the list goes on. Hope you enjoy, and looking forward to your comments. Hello everyone, this uh, episode's about uh, startup, and we've got uh, Lin Chen, um, just a little bit of background on her. The co- her company is a startup and it's been around for a c- couple of years. Oh, two years, uh, Lynn? Yeah, two and a half. Two and a half. half. Oh, wow. Time's flying. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. Uh, Candy Cutlery is an idea that started at high school hackathon. Soon after, Lynn went off to the university but could not stop thinking about the idea for, for her edible uh, utensil um, product. At 18, she started building the company from inside her college dorm room. Today, it is a growing edible utensil company that serves over 30-plus clients across Canada. A little bit of her, uh, you're a a third-year Queen's University student studying Bachelor of Arts in Economics. Is is that correct? That's right. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, it's... uh, Welcome to to our to our show here. <laughs> Glad to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I guess you were once described as a girl with a fidget spinner that never stops spinning in her head because I <laughs> because you love thinking about new ideas and challenging problems. That's uh, that's uh, that's you know sounds like me in in uh, in some way or form. It's. It's oh, for sure. With our conversations, we always have ideas. Um, but yeah, I actually heard. Uh, someone say, "Wow, it's like a fidget spinner spinning in your head." About a week ago, and thought I would put that in there. <laughs> uh, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, tell me a bit more about your company and your, you know, uh, what's, uh, you know, where you're at, and what's, uh, yeah. Tell me a bit more, uh, deeper dive, as they say. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, John, you were there from the beginning um, when it was just a, a scrappy little idea at a hackathon. Um, and, you know, along the way, we've got hit some bumps in the road, but, you know, today we have our own manufacturing setup. Uh, we make over 100,000 products um, per batch. Uh, you know, we're serving customers across Canada and soon in the U.S., and that's what we're really excited about. Uh, we're really targeting these, um, you know, uh, well-established franchises. Um, that sell ice cream or other desserts that go really well with our products and really focusing on the edible spoons and edible shot glasses that we currently carry. So, yeah. bas- so basically, it's, uh, it's, you're, you're focusing on the, on the ice cream market? That's right. That's right. And it took a while before we you know, really uh, got down to that niche. So we definitely tried a bunch of different uh, types of clients, um, created some customer personas, and went from there. So, so I mean, I was there, but uh, you know, a lot of people don't know. Um, it's, it's some questions you think I, you know, I already know, but I want to, I want to share this with our, you know, with our <laughs> sure. listeners. Okay. Yeah, like how, how did, like, like how did they come up with the idea? What's, what sparked that? What you know, say, you know, what this is something that is not being done, and and you know, we need to, mm-hmm. we need to, and then why? Like why, you know, why edible utensils? What's what's the, the you know, the passion behind it? Oh, for sure. Yeah. So very good question. I started, you know, thinking about this when I graduated from high school. Uh, You know, it was summer and, you know, school was out and we had a bit of a break before going to university. Uh, And I had uh, brought home uh, a cup of ice cream. Ironic, I know. 
um, with a little plastic spoon. And then right after I finished eating it, my mom had washed that plastic spoon and a bunch of other plastic utensils that we had because she wanted to, um, you know, make sure we did our best to reuse, you know, reduce recycle. Uh, and she was going to make use of the utensils that I brought home. And, uh, you know, I started thinking about that. I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I didn't really think about how much plastic could really impact, um, you know, our lives. It's, you know, everywhere, but especially in the takeout we use. And um, consumerism really fuels that. And I realized, you know, we're all kind of part of the problem. Um, and not many people are doing anything about that. And then I saw that there was a movement happening in Asia, you know, especially in India, where they made these uh, cookie spoons and stuff like that. And that really got me thinking, you know, what if we made something similar to that here um, and, uh, you know, try to solve that problem. Um, and I actually was also inspired by not only my mom, but my dad, uh, because, you know, I would always pitch ideas to him when I was younger. You know, what if I started this? What if I started that? What if we started a clothing company or whatever? Just a bunch of different ideas all the time. <laughs> and uh, he would always say, you know, make sure you're really passionate about the idea. And, you know, it really only takes, you know, small things to make big things happen, right? You know, all these little things add up. And so I, that's how I thought about the edible utensil idea, you know. Little things add up and become this big movement. Um, so I'm really proud of what we've achieved so far and we know that. You know, more little steps will you know create a bigger wave in the long run. Right, right. So, so your inspiration, your inspiration of, of the entrepreneurship was was you know your father and some other other mentors in your life that helps you say you know what. So, uh, at the end, it's more to, to to you know put that spark plug to the engine to get things going. And sometimes you need people around to say you know to help you guide you you know especially when you're starting your your new idea or new product Absolutely. that's yeah and and the product itself is it like where where what's what is it you know how is it made or how, how is the what's the consistency of it for for uh, is it is it made made with more uh, of a harder candy or is it more bendable give, give our listeners a little bit more of the what what the product what you know what what are they expecting out of, out of this um, you know this this product yeah, for sure. Like I said, it tastes really awesome with ice cream and other desserts. And that's because um, it is made out of candy. So it's made out of natural sugars. It's vegan. It's gluten-free. Uh, and it comes in multiple different flavors. Uh, so flavors like vanilla as well as strawberry. Um, and we tested a bunch just to make sure it was something that the general public really liked. Um, and it's not just for kids. Um, you know, adults I've seen uh, using these little spoons. They look like little gelato spoons. And again, they're hard candy, so um, you can use it to stir your coffee. And I've seen people get really creative with it. Um, we also have the shot glasses again, so it's just spoons and shot glasses. And, you know, shot glasses, well, we know what that's for. Um, but <laughs> right. uh, some people use it for their puddings or their mousses. So, oh. you know. It, yeah, it's. I, I learn so much from our customers all the time of how we can use their products. So I leave a lot of creative freedom for people to you know try new recipes and whatnot. Yeah, I, I didn't even know there was a, there was a shot glass. So so basically, it's a it's a small. Um you know, I guess a shot glass, and it's made out of uh, the same material, and people can use it for, for sure. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. That's right. What? And uh, 
the great thing is that we actually did some testing and, um, you know, it, it can decompose in 30 days uh, in your compost or whatnot uh, if you don't end up eating it all, all at once. <laughs> Right, so, so so I'm thinking this is fantastic. You don't have to use detergents to wash your your glasses or or utensils, and you know detergents go in, into the sewage system, and that that can't be good for the environment. So this is kind of you use it, and at the end it's just it's just you know it's biodegradable. It's just sugars which break down and way better than chlorines or or you know detergents that can you know. I would see it's it's a huge you know advantage from that side, if, especially if you wanna. You want to make a difference to our, to our, uh, you know, to our environment. For sure, and it's really, you know, I know some people use it at home. Someone actually used it, you know, for Thanksgiving desserts or whatnot. Um, but I really think what, who we're really targeting are, you know, people who uh, uh, eat out. You know, mm -hmm. where it is harder to find. Uh, you know, a fork that you can wash or not, and it is definitely more convenient if you're on the go. Um, so that's, I think, where we're really making the most impact, but definitely see a lot of different uses for it. And um, what I'm really excited about the product is that it's actually gone through many, many revo revolutions or uh, iterations, um, and, you know, it started from a prototype that you couldn't eat, uh, because, you know, uh, we, we were using, you know, PLA from 3D printers to create a mold. Um, and at first, you know, we couldn't use it to uh, make it food safe. And then moving forward, we made it food safe, and then it became big and small and big and small. And I'm really proud of, uh, you know, how far we've come with the iterations as well. Yeah, it's it's continuous. I guess then once you start a, a, down a road of, of developing products, then then customers get to see. Oh, you know what? Can you develop this for this this specific application? Because food, sure. the food industry is is pretty pretty uh, you know pretty pretty large, and it also has a lot of room for innovations. Which sometimes Absolutely. I wonder because <laughs> my my background was in the food business, and I can still see it's still <laughs> it's still stuck in the nineties. I think they need to really understand you know advanced technologies and. And, and, and give and give the designers or product development companies or you know companies like yourself the chance to, to join forces and, 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 and really create some amazing you know because it, it is endless once you open, start this or something else that is specific yeah. to the you know you know towards their product uh, product launch and, and so forth so what do you what do you hope to accomplish within the next year oh for candy cutlery you know we hope to potentially make some new products down the pipeline. Um, and also, overall, just expanding what we currently have, um, as I mentioned, uh, in right. more places in Canada as well as the U.S., uh, really taking our customer feedback to heart, making sure that we do our best to make it better and better. And um, one thing I do want to mention more specifically on product design and startups is that really at first you have to do things that don't really scale, you know? Um, Stuff like, you know, uh, talking to people and um, getting those product feedbacks really early on. But at the same time, doing things at scale like, you know, putting out your first, you know, MVP, you know, your uh, minimum viable product first. Uh, it could be, you know, not exactly perfect and what you want it to be, especially if you are a product-oriented person and you want it to be perfect. Um, so, you know, at first we just put out things that you can barely eat and <laughs> Uh, yeah, what do you think of this idea, you know? Um, and I think that initial feedback really helped us uh, make sure what we have now is good enough. Right, right. 
it, are there any social, economic, environmental, technological, legal, and political environments that can impact your business? Anything on, on that on that front? Uh, could you repeat the question, actually? So, are there are there any social, economic, environmental, technological, legal, and political environment environments impacting your business right now? Is there anything that's that you find as a hurdle, and that you that you're that you're hoping to achieve that are any of those uh, uh, those areas so give me an example environmental by by you involved are is there is there certain legal you know the laws kind of stopping or the government is is holding you back with a certain kind of a roadblock oh that's a really good question i think um uh definitely um thinking about on the environmental side because that that's our primary goal right. um thinking about ways we could work together and um, create policies that encourage, uh, you know, more composting, recycling, because much of it, especially in Canada, is, you know, uh, owned by the government. So um, it is hard to take control of, you know, our current recycling systems and um, the way we encourage uh, environmental sustainability. I think if there were more incentives to do so, this would be a much easier idea to um, bring forth and go viral, right? Um and at the same time, I, I realize the, and we all know that, uh, you know, things are changing, right? You know, uh, plastic utensils are being banned and whatnot, and that actually works in our favor um, because people are really starting to care. Um, and really, it's the consumer pushback that creates incentives for the government and large organizations to care. Right. So when you when you start expanding into the United States and each province, each state or province has certain uh, certain health requirements. Uh, oh yeah. Is, is that something that you're 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 getting ready to do? Like, is there is there is there a thought in mind that that certain you know, let's say you're going to go out to New York or Chicago as a state mm -hmm. that you expand. The expansion is, I'm sure, it's going to be it's going to be a a goal for you going forward. Well, how is the the legal aspect on that side from from it, you know offering that product, or is that usually your the the distribution partner that you work with, let's say an ice cream distributor or or, um, or a retail outlet, and they're worried about that themselves, or, or or is that part of? Are you involved in that side of the legal uh, of the? Uh, 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 how do you say it? Um, the aspect of, of having the product able to for consumers on a different a different country. Yeah, no, that's definitely in our concerns, and we've done tons of research, mm -hmm. but we know we won't really know as much as a distributor, for example. Right. So we definitely want to, you know, learn with them with a lot of a good knowledge base, for sure. Um, definitely something in our concern. Um, I would say things that are, it's actually harder to uh, have your products in Canada because we have so many more health regulations and food regulations uh, than in the States, um, from my understanding. Um, uh, but also, you know, overall, you know, exporting, importing, you have to have a general sense of that, especially for food. Um, uh, what I'm really lucky to have is uh, a good mentor system where there are advisors that are from distribute distribution companies, um, the food service world, as well as the fact that uh, my co-founder, Nian, she uh, is a product developer. She's a food scientist, so she's really on top of these things as well. Okay. So when you first initially did your mission statements, has it changed from the time when you when you first started till till 
you know, two and a half years later, has it anything, or you're still on, on track with say, this was my first mission statement and, and it hasn't changed or it's like, we, we just had to divert a little bit. Yeah, no, no, that's an amazing question. And I think it's so important to go back to your original roots, right? For the company, like, why are you doing this? Right. right. It's so important to reinforce that idea and, you know, see how it pivots. And for sure we've done some pivots. The original goal was, you know, we want to ban, you know, single-use plastic forever, right? That's that's our goal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the harsh reality is that, you know, plastic is so cheap to produce. And so it's so hard to compete, um, you know, and that that's just the reality of it. They have scale. They have great ec- economies of scale. Right. Um, but we shouldn't be disheartened by that because for the little, you know, changes we make, it really affects people's mindsets. Like, if they are actively choosing to, you know, uh, use our product instead of a plastic utensil, that is significant. Um, And that does reflect in their lifestyle changes and whatnot, and we're really proud of that. Um, So, yes, the environmental aspect is still in our roots, but we also realize the joy aspect that was kind of, like, unexpected. You know, we really love seeing you know, kids light up uh, when they try our products for the first time. Um, you know, I, I saw a kid begging their parents to get them, you know, one of each flavor, and it was just so sweet. Um, and, you know, people's weddings and whatnot. And it's just those moments that, you know, we, we get to be a part of because of our product. And I love hearing those stories. Well, you know, it goes back to, yes, uh, certain plastics are cheaper because they do by high volume. So there's always a saying, you pay now, you pay later, you're going to pay. So by by consumers buying these, these you know, products that are from mass volumes of, of, of products that end up going into the landfill, I mean, yes, it's cheaper to buy because, the, you know, they're always looking at cost, but the, what, what is the cost later when you have, right. you, know, uh, you know, 9 billion, you know, spoons in the in the environment and what is that doing to our so you, you there's a saying pay now pay later you're going to pay so if you go cheap now you're in the paying later so uh, there's always something that people have to keep in mind when uh, when utilizing products that are at the masses like you know the plastic spoons or plastic forks or so forth yeah yeah and even though you know uh, it's a bit of a struggle right now because of the you know plastic crisis mm-hmm. uh especially here in North America, I, I am very hopeful because the consumers have a lot of power here. And, you know, if they make conscious choices every day, um, you know, things will happen for the better. Yeah, I was watching a YouTube video about these plastic bags in the in the ocean and, you know, turtles and dolphins and seals are swallowing them, dying. Yeah. It, it's just, it's sad to see this, that we need to be more, you know, more mind share towards that. And I, and uh, you know, other countries have to be on the same page because it doesn't happen just one country. It takes a lot, many countries to to make an environmental global change, right? For sure, yeah. So, what do you wish you had known when you started out? What do I wish I had known? Yes, it would, you wish you had known when you started out. So, like during your journey, you, I'm sure there's things that you say, "Oh my God, this happened." Oh, I wish <laughs> I had known this before. Be better prepared. Anything you can share with uh, with our uh, with our listeners here? I think the biggest thing would be that it's it's a lot of hard work, and I'm sure you get this a lot from a bunch of entrepreneurs. Yes. Um, 
So I would say two things. One, it's a lot of hard work, and it can be really lonely sometimes. And, you know, I don't want that to stop people from wanting to be entrepreneurs, especially if they're really young, because by all means, it is amazing to start young, because then you have so much time to learn and make mistakes. Um, But it definitely can be really lonesome, because not everybody will know exactly what you're going through, um, especially at my age. I'm 20 now, but, you know, thinking about how I started at 17, 18, and everybody else could be, you know, partying and actively choosing to, you know, uh, go out and have fun, which is just normal for a teenager or uh, a university student. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would actively choose to spend my Saturdays and Sundays uh, researching writing business plans, um, talking to my team. And um, that's why I'm so grateful for my co-founders, Dan and Leanne, but also, you know, mentors and advisors that are like, hey, I know how you feel. And that's just been an amazing process, um, despite all the uh, challenges that we had to face. Right, right. Yeah, it is a, uh, it's a very, you know, different, uh, it, it's a goal to focus, and I agree. I mean, the, you know, many of our... Uh, other other episodes that I that I you know have interviewed, they say people are saying, "Oh, it must be nice to, to be successful." Well, it's not it's not nice. It's actually hard work, and and and, and 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 if you know that that what I had to go like you know there was a when Jeff Jeff Bezos was doing you know creating Amazon. Imagine if he yes. he recorded his journey <laughs> on 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 wow. books in his basement. Imagine be... somebody recorded that. That would have been. Quite, and then people can actually see like what it actually takes. It's not like you don't wake up and and become a successful company. It takes a lot of work and a lot of uh, a lot of mind share, a lot of decision making too. And and then I, a lot yeah. of people don't understand that. So, I I remember seeing a mini documentary about him mm-hmm. uh, earlier on when I you know was feeling you know pretty down in the dumps. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm never gonna you know succeed or anything like that. And then I saw how. He like spray painted Amazon.com yeah. on the wall, and like his his desk was actually just the door with like little you know pieces of wood under it. Yeah, yeah. So, like just pretty humble beginnings, and everybody kind of goes through that. So you know, it's 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 good to know that you know everybody starts somewhere. Absolutely. So, what are you curious about right now? Oh, um, I'm actually very dedicated to our mission uh, about. You know, how do we, um, you know, help with this plastic dilemma? Because there are so many ways to look at it. Make products like ours or revolutionize plastic entirely and change the way we make it. So I'm really toying with those ideas and researching more about it. Um, so that's that's still my passion. Um, and I'm really excited to explore more about it. Okay. Um, you know, I'm sure you, you, you're juggling school Startup business. How do you stay organized? Like I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big fan about learning new ways of productivity because I'm always trying to find out how to shrink five more minutes in a day for myself. <laughs> right? I mean, there's tools. I mean, I've been, I've been, I'm, I'm all about productivity, about organization, um, you know, scheduling. Uh, you know, what, what do I do yeah. first? About it's, it's always a dilemma for myself. I always try to find, you know, technology. I've been jumping around different apps lately, and. Uh, and uh, and uh, what do you use to, to, to stay on top? And how do you say, okay, you know what? Um, yeah, there's 30 things. I can't do all the 30 things today. Let me pick that one because that one is more important than the second one. Like, how do you prioritize? I'm always 
I'm always, you know, love to learn how other people do it. And am I doing something that I can prove myself to shrink, shrink my day, and maybe you know, half an hour a day of more time that I can, you know, spend time on, on, on thinking how to do things better, right? It's always a, it's, it's a cat and mouse game kind of thing, right? Yeah, for sure. And um, you know, I love productivity hacks, and mm-hmm. I've been obsessed with looking at new apps as well. Um, but at the same time, I realize less is a little bit more. Like, less is more sometimes. Um, and so I'm old soul, too, so sometimes I feel like I'm like a 90-year-old in uh, you know, a 20-year-old body. Yeah. So I like to do some things old-fashioned as well. So I'll, I'll break down my productivity tools. So I obviously use Google Drive for a lot of my work. So I have folders for school, for personal stuff, um, for you know, uh, candy cutlery, uh, and just uh, one folder just for my ideas, uh, stuff like that. And um, other than Google Drive, I use Airtable. Oh. I'm a really big advocate of Airtable. Airtable. Um, Oh, okay. Airtable. You're going to write that down. Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah, awesome, awesome, yeah. And um, it was highly recommended to me from a few entrepreneurs as well. And basically, you can do anything with it. It's like a jazzed up Excel. And they have a lot of great templates. And this is not sponsored, by the way. So no, 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 of course. I use it for a bunch of different things. Um, Of course. You can organize your contacts, et cetera. Um, And then for sales, I use HubSpot. So, you know, really tracking uh, any sort of relationships I have um, within the business. Um, I really like to know exactly what I'm working with, and it's it's a free tool. And you can even get, I believe, like an entrepreneur discount. So it's, it's awesome. Um, and uh, other than that, I also use, uh, this is a personal fitness app that I really love called MyFitnessPal. Um, and it's not so much for productivity within work, but, it's great to know what I'm going to eat that day, you know? Right. Um, and I love keeping track of that because fitness is actually my other passion. Um, and so, you know, I love staying active, and it's a great way to keep track of uh, what I'm putting into my body, and that in turn makes me feel energetic and happy. Um, and other than that, my old school things, I have a notebook by my desk all the time. Uh, and that really helps me, you know, stay on top of things. So, uh, you know, uh, writing a to-do list the day before, uh, prioritizing things in categories, stuff for candy cutlery, stuff for myself, stuff for school, um, and then I know exactly what I'm working with the next day, which I really love. Um, And I would say that is, like, my saving grace in terms of, you know, having a notebook with me all the time to take notes, uh, prioritize things. I, I just really like physically checking things off a list. Um, and then I think the last productivity tool that I use occasionally when I really want to focus is called a focus timer. I believe it's an iPhone app. Uh, it could be on Android as well. But uh, it just, you know, I found out that, you know, people can only concentrate for 25 to 30 minutes. And maybe that's a regular person, but I feel like entrepreneurs can focus way less uh, just because we're always thinking about a bunch of different things. Yeah. So... You know, I put the timer on to make sure I keep myself on track so that I don't get too excited about everything else. Like if an email comes in or not, I have to, I have to resist. You know, I have to stay on task, do that one thing, and do it really well. You know what? I, I have that disease called FOMO, fear of missing out. <laughs> so yeah, sure. I'm always like, I'm always thinking that everything's important, and I, I not that that's one of my weaknesses that 
I'm focusing on things that really uh, that can spend a lot of time and, and not go anywhere. Which leads to my next question is, uh, as a business owner, do you know when to walk away from something that isn't working? Yes, I think it's definitely hard because you're so attached to what you create, right? And that's totally normal. You know, it's your baby almost. You've created from scratch. But, you know, if you're looking at your business plan or lean startup canvas and you're asking questions to your clients and they're like, no, I'm not interested, you got to walk away from it. And um, I think hearing about, uh, you know, business failures really helps. I love reading articles on Medium uh, about, you know, people who spent their lives maybe even creating something that to them was, you know, the best idea ever but there was no market for it and how that really, you know, creates a lot of, you know, not so happy endings. Um, and I'd rather know earlier on that when we've made a mistake than uh, later on down the line when we've invested so much time, money, and emotions, really. Um, so one thing that I could uh, actually um, share is we made these products called Toffee Bears um, oh. very early on. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was total failure, 100% failed, um, as well as, like, some other little shapes, like, just other applications of products, and we're like, oh, maybe, like, if people aren't using, you know, edible utensils, they could buy these lifestyle candies, you know, they're, like, hard candies, but they're, like, in the shape of a gummy bear, um, and, you know, we were showing these kids and whatnot how, how it works, and if they liked it, and we realized it was a choking hazard. So right. we, you know, it was definitely a fail, especially on my end, because I pitched the idea. Um, but, you know, we couldn't really dwell on that because we have to move on and um, see what's next, right? And so uh, I think definitely keeping yourself in check and having people around you who will be honest to you when your business idea really sucks is really awesome. So, yeah, definitely putting that into perspective. Uh. Yeah, there's a lot of products. I'm also thinking about the you know, the world of uh, cannabis. It's something that's uh, you know <laughs> popping out like like uh, you know it goes back to so 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 you know as a, as, a, as an entrepreneur, business leader, lots going on, and so on your uh, on your free time. So I always look at it like okay, you're you know working from a certain amount of hours, then in the morning. You know, there's a way to wake up, you know, so you have your coffee. So whether, it, it, you know, how do we improve that? And, and at night, you know, before you go to sleep, you need to do certain things to, <laughs> to calm down the mind because the mind is just racing with, you know, yeah. so many so many task managements. Um, so uh, when you're in, in a situation that you have, there's, there's so much that there's a lot of cloud and you need to refocus. What, like, what are, what are some tips that you can share that, Kind of says, okay, I'm 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 going to a place where it's like there's lots going on. I need to really refocus. You know, what what do you do to refocus um, to, to get back on, on, on you know on, onto the the right path? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think my first instinct was to you know try meditating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a lot of people swear by it, and I think it's great. But for me personally, it just didn't work with me. Um, I'm someone who needs to be active when I'm not focused. Right. So I need to figure out a way to almost uh, tire myself out, you know? Um, and so that, that big thing that I'm really passionate about is definitely still fitness, trying new sports. And personally, I've been a power lifter since I was 16. Mm-hmm. So I love lifting heavy weights um, and, you know, just putting my energy into that. Um, and then, you know, you take a shower 
and then you, you know, drink your tea and you just feel really relaxed. So fitness has been my go-to uh, in terms of refocusing. If I don't have time for that, I might do a little bit of writing, you know, let my mind free flow. It could be the worst, you know, blog post or, you know, any sort of creative piece I've ever written. But as long as I get it out there, I feel really good after. Um, and you don't feel like you have so many things going on in your head because you put it down. Uh, so I think definitely those two are my uh, go-tos in terms of relaxing and getting refocused. So growing up, uh, who were your heroes? Oh, I think uh, that's a tough question. I feel like I idolize so many people. Like the minute I meet them, like, oh my God, they're awesome. Yeah, yeah. And you just pull out the best things from people and you're like, I want to be like this person because of this. Um, I think a lot of my personal mentors have been my heroes as of lately. But when I was younger, it has definitely been my parents because I found so many great things about them. Um, uh, I think first and foremost, my dad. Uh, And I've definitely said this before, but, you know, just watching him work, you know, 16-hour days, biking, you know, across town to go to work, doing things that he didn't love because he wanted to make a better life for our family was definitely really hard to see as right, a kid. Right. Um, so definitely that really drove me into wanting to do the best I could. Um, and then, yeah, obviously, you know, you grew up with comic books and whatnot. I loved, you know, <laughs> Spider-Man and all those make-believe heroes as well. And I think um, those really drove me to thinking, you know, it's, it, it might not be reality, but, you know, it's possible to do something awesome and out of the blue and um, help a bunch of people. And that's been the, my mindset, you know, working hard, working smart, but also helping people along the way. You know, it's funny, when, you know, growing up, I always, you know, my, my idol was James Bond. I always wanted to be an agent. <laughs> right, yeah. And, and I would come up with my own products, like I would create my own, you know, you know, pen with a secret message on the inside. I was like probably... 14, 15, I always wanted to be a double agent, right? And it's funny that, that, yeah. that, that I'm in the world of making things that are not even possible because with prototyping and, 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 and design, it's funny because mm-hmm. you, you never thought I, I would be able, I would be in this industry, but back then my passions were to, to come up with things that, you know, were, that were more in the, you know, more of like, you can create your own. Like, you know, when I left uh, Montreal, I came to Toronto. My, my mom was going through my room, and she moved up some some picture frames, and there was holes in the wall where I would would hide all my <laughs> all my secret notes of like you wow. know treasure map of where I would hide all the you know these these secret gadgets. It was like oh my god. And then later, I'm in this wor- world of engineering. And it's yeah. like, wow, you know, it's it's funny that it, it, it had to take some, I, you know, I was on a different road, I was in the food business, but the real passion was to create things that didn't exist, and and it was, awesome. uh, and another thing was Johnny Quest, there was another cartoon I used to watch, it was Johnny Quest back in the, in the, in the set, you know, oh. in the 80s, <laughs> it was a cartoon that was really well made, and, but, but it was all the, the adventure, the adventure of, uh, you know, uh, his father was a scientist, and they would travel to different, um, you know, different, uh, countries and again it was you know it was like it was a cartoon well made like from the 80s that that quality of, of animation was just like it was beyond its time you know and then now they're doing these quality animations that that are <laughs> but back then in the 80s that was like that was that was le- leading stuff that was awesome. so it was quality stuff so again it was back to 
uh, knowing, you know, I guess knowing who you are and, and really um, finding out what your passions are, what, what makes, you know, we're all individuals, we're all totally unique from okay. each other and, and uh, understanding that uh, once you really figure out, and, and, and it's sad because, you know, when you're on the 401 and you're on in the highway and you're looking and you're stuck in traffic, you look around and everybody looks like they're, you know, unhappy is maybe because they, they've chosen, they didn't plan of, of who they really were and they just got a job and, and ends up being that they're not happy. And so everybody does have a choice to, to find their passion and it, it does take work, it does take stress initially to get that out of that road that road and into a different road, right, different different path of your life. It can be done. And at the end, you know, we all want to be happy and, and it's not always about uh, about money. It's it's about about no. feeling being part of something and that's this is what I keep, you know, the, the same, the same, you know, the same common, common denominator that I'm hearing from, from everyone that is, uh, that is possible. You just have to believe in yourself, right? Yeah. Uh, if you, um, if you won the lottery, uh, would you still be doing uh, candy cutlery? <laughs> absolutely. I would still be doing it a hundred percent. Right. Um, there's, there's not even a question of that because, uh, first of all, actually, I, I learned how to, you know, play with lottery, you know, the scratch and whatever, mm -hmm. those scratchy cards, um, uh, like maybe last Christmas. Um, uh, <laughs> that was the first time I was introduced to lottery. I never thought about, you know, going and winning the lottery just because I think that, uh, I don't know, I, I, I have this weird philosophy that, you know, what you give to the world, what value you give is what you're going to get in return. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, money has never been, I would say, the motivator for what I do. Um, but obviously, you know, in terms of having a business mindset, you always want your company to be profitable and to be successful. Um, and, you know, that still stems from, you know, wanting to make the biggest impact with what you have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if I won the lottery, I probably won't quit, and uh, we'll definitely donate some to charity and figure out ways to maybe reinvest into the startup ecosystem so that more ideas like ours, uh, the ones that I'm really passionate about, um, can really get off their feet. So, so if if our, if people want to buy the product, can they go to your website? You have like an e-commerce site. I do. So if it's a, a, a customer, then they can order from candycutlery.com. Okay. Check it out. Or we have a, we just revamped our website, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and if they have custom orders, then they can feel free to email me at lynn at candycutlery.com. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll put that in the uh, in the show notes. Uh, yeah, sure. Under the episode, and people can actually find. Is there um, you have like social media like Instagram that you wanna? Is there Instagram? Are you like which which social medias are you guys using right now? Like what's what's the one that's uh, that you find that's working for you guys? Yeah, Instagram is definitely our big. Is it uh, the big one? Yeah, so it's Candy Cutlery at Candy Cutlery, um, and the why the reason why it's the big one for us is because our products are so visual, right? Right. Um, and when people are planning their weddings or their parties, um, or just, you know, looking at food, they usually turn to Instagram. Yeah. Great. So we have Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. Well, you're going to have to send me those, and I'll put that in the show notes, that if somebody wants to reach sure. out to you directly, 
they, they know exactly how to how to how to get to you guys and ask questions or or, or purchase some of the fantastic products that you guys are doing. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you so much, and uh, you know for your time and love chatting again with you all the time. And uh, yeah, let's. Uh, Good luck on the you know 2019s and again share you know share with me what what was happening with Canadian Cutlery and uh, looking forward to our next chat in the in, in the near future. Thanks again for having me. It's been a pleasure and looking forward to chatting again soon. Thanks, Lynn. Thank you. Thank bye you. bye. Bye.